You are at Founders FAQ. Answers to all the possible questions of a founder. Obviously, different venture capitalists have different ideas. In my case, I don't mind if people call the company. I don't mind if investing in people who call the company. Warm interest from portfolio founders. Uh, also, you know, it's normally the way to go for most venture capitalists. It's actually a good idea to do that because when you get an interest from portfolio founder to the VC, most likely the VC would say yes to take the meeting. They don't want to say no to portfolio founders, friend. Welcome to Foundership AQ. Today, my guest is Nico Baratzos. Nico is Managing Director at General Catalyst, a venture capital firm that makes early stage and transformational investments. Hi, Nico. Welcome to Foundership AQ. My first question is about founders. How do you evaluate the founder to get the investment decision? Yeah, so obviously different venture capitalists and investors have different questions they're asking and different mental frameworks, but in my case, I care a lot about the level of ambition that a founder has. Um, is, is this founder who wants to shoot for the moon? Uh, because if that's the case, then you know we're going to make a lot of money if the founder or the founders are successful. The second one is ability to learn. Also, the founders that work with are first-time founders, so they have big dreams, a lot of ambition, but they don't know as much. They're not domain experts yet, and often they don't know what they don't know. So, uh, are they learning animals? Can they lay, treat every meeting, every mistake uh, as a learning opportunity? So they can, over time, in three, four years, become world-class experts in their thing. Um, and thirdly, um, some people call it authenticity, others call it a North Star, but it's basically a deeper reason why uh, they're building this company. Because, as you know, building a company has a ton of ups and downs, and when shit keeps the fun, because my co-founder said that to me, uh, our CPU is going to quit all these things, there should be a, diff- a strong reason why you're doing what you're doing. So these are the three key things I'm looking uh, for. Level of ambition, like insane level of ambition, ability to learn, and then thirdly, authenticity, uh, having a North Star for what they're building. Great. And what would be your advice to founders while reaching out to you? Warm intros or crystal clear cold emails? Obviously, different venture capitalists have different ideas. In my case, I don't mind if people cold email me. I really don't mind if I've invested in people who cold email me. Warm interest from portfolio founders. Uh, also, you know, it's normally the way to go for most venture capital. It's actually a good idea to do that because when you get an interest from portfolio founder to the VC, most likely the VC would say yes to take the meeting. They don't want to say no to portfolio founders, friend. But also, you, meaning the founder, would be able to do some quick due diligence on that investor through the portfolio founder or sources. Um, but if you want to learn and master the art of cold email, which I strongly recommend, it's useful for fundraising, for recruiting, for customer acquisition, sales, and beyond, uh, just keep it short. Yeah. And uh, now a lot of us, venture capitalists, are pretty reasonable self-promoters online, so you can see what we're thinking, what we're interested in, etc. Then you can send a cold email touching upon some of the areas that we've expressed interest in. 
I get it. And you have met the founders and you really like them, but the market that they are running is not that big. So do you even make the deal? It depends on the state of the company, right? If it's a seed state, yeah, often I would I would take a little faith and be like, you know, the founders are going to figure it out. Because when you're just getting started, the chances of you pivoting uh, are pretty high. But if it's like a Series B stage company or sometimes even a Series A stage company, if the market is not good, uh, you know, uh, I will have a hard time doing the deal. Uh, because what we've learned again and again is when you have a market that's opening up in front of you right now, you may have a shitty product, you may have an update team, but it feels like Christmas Day every day and the customers cannot help it. They want more and more of your product and they're price insensitive. You have a great team in the shitty market, they constantly get more chances, but that's not enough for them to succeed. Yeah. So the hope is if you have a great team in the shitty market, they will make adjustments or they will weather it out or combo both to lead us to the promised land. Right, yeah, I get it. Um, and uh, my other question is about founders again, uh, about their integrity. So the founders should complement each other. And what do you think about how the founders can do their due diligence? Their founders each still accept due diligence before starting the business, yeah. before raising the money. I think it's pretty important. Super important, because if you think about getting diluted from venture capitalists, this is nothing compared to the dilution you would have from adding one to three co-founders. Um, so my advice is to, one, everybody should try their best to be self-aware. Number two, Try before you buy. Just because you are friends or because uh, a guy or gal happened to be there when you said, I'm really excited about this, I want to do it, and they volunteered, doesn't mean that they're going to be the ideal co-pilot for you. So work for a few uh, weeks, if not a few months, uh, especially if you're like younger, if you're a first-time founder, the opportunity cost is not that high. Uh, compared to the cost of uh, working with a bad co-founder down the line. So try before you buy and see how you guys are working together. And then when you start uh, pitching customers, when you're doing all these externally facing meetings or pitching VCs, to see what's the body language in the room, are you finishing its other sentences, and you need to divide and conquer it. And for your approach to solo founders, how is your approach to solo founders versus like group of founders? Well, we normally don't have solo founders. We are totally fine with the, like dominant founders, meaning folks you know who've been there, done that, where they decided to add co-founders later on into the journey. But like doing a startup just by yourself, man, you know, you gotta be not only crazy, but it's really, really, really hard. So. Sure, if you're incredible at recruiting, everybody wants to work with you and they are going to take a huge discount, uh, maybe it can work, but most often, especially with first-timers, it's really hard for this to come true. Great. And the track record of a founder is another thing. Do you think second-time founders, especially the successful ones in the first attempt, how do you see them while getting the investment decision? So this is uh, 
often, you know, a, a tricky one. Just because you were very successful before doesn't mean that if you do everything the same way, you're going to be equally or more successful as you were before. Most likely, you're going to be less successful because the markets have changed, others are using the same tricks. So uh, it's a new world. Um, so a lot of us, you know, VCs, uh, in theory, we think we are investing in a company that has the uh, risked uh, their team uh, aspect, which may be true, but by no means, you know, uh, should be interpreted as investing in a company that has the risk of product market fit, the good market strategy, all these things. So investing in a second time co-founder in a very successful co-founder uh, is a risky endeavor uh, and, and you got to make sure is this a founder that continues to be hungry because if they're not it's going to be hard to succeed uh, in the startup uh, environment most importantly are they thinking from first principles because if they're not thinking from first principles and they do what I mentioned before, just do the same thing that they did before, I guarantee you it's not going to yield the same amazing uh, results. Um, so these are some of the areas I would be thinking. And on the fundraising side, sometimes founders raise money but not enough and then spend time on it. And after a short amount of time, they raise again and spend time on it again. Like, what would be the ideal case for it? I would say that most companies get to raise every nine, every nine to twelve months, and they get to raise for eighteen to twenty-four months. Um, so you want to have cash, you know, for at least one year. Add another six, maybe another market your good twelve months buffer, um, and that's more or less the answer. If you raise. More than that, hopefully the dilution is not going to be insane. Um, or you're going to have a reason to believe that whatever you do now, if you do more of it, things are going to get to be amazing. Otherwise, it, you know, you're going to be having money in the bank and the interest rate is not that high. Um, so that, that, in general, you know, like you raise VC capital when you want to shoot for the moon, when you have something that's working, and if you do more of whatever you're doing right now, uh, things are going to get better. If the answer to some of these questions is not yes, uh, and is a no, just you got to reconsider. And after fundraising, like after a price round, uh, you will see a VC partner in your board. What will be your advice for getting the right partner into the board? I would say that what also matters is like who you who you go with matters a lot. Like do you like the firm? Do you like the individual partner or set of partners you're going to be working with? Like attention to the personal chemistry. Is there somebody who's going to be around for a long time? Do you guys? You don't need to get along well, but you see eye to eye about the future. Uh, because sure, you know, somebody else may give you the best valuation, but uh, also when you take somebody else's money, it's not free, it comes with expectations, and often it, uh, you give some control. And the more rounds you raise, the more control you give. Um, so like you gotta be very careful who you put in your account table, who you put on your board, because these axioms are irreversible, and it's much more likely that you, the founder, 
founders are going to be uh, gone before the firm and that investor uh, are going to leave the cap table real board. So it would be extra thoughtful in that regard. So do just spend the time. And start a startup in Silicon Valley is always a neat thing. And what would be your thoughts about it? What What would be your advice for founders to select a specific location while starting the startup? There's a mindset. So when I came here 10 years ago, you had to be here. Uh, you had to be here because the, most of the customers were here. The best talent was here. Uh, mentors were here. Fundraising was pretty much always here. Um, most acquirers were around here. But then you don't have to be here because Silicon Valley is a mindset and thanks to TechCrowns, Hacker News and all these other, you know, good places and all this has been diffused. You can start from anywhere. That said, it's always a good idea to come here to know some people, maybe raise capital from here, and then make sure that you're not complacent in your local ecosystem. What I see with a lot of companies get, that get started outside of the main hubs, uh, they may have a great idea at the right time, but because the local competition is very limited, they feel, they feel complacent. And a few years later, Silicon Valley company eats their lunch. And that's really, really unfortunate. So you want to have some, uh, uh, some fire that will propel you uh, if you want to do something from uh, afar. And the other thing is, if you are indeed... Um, Easier to go all the way from far away from the major tech hubs. Recruiting is going to be tricky. Mm -hmm. So what I would be thinking is that okay, so come out as a mindset. You can get started from whatever, but how can you put it in use? Can you raise capital from there? Can you benefit from the hype or marketing your products, stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Nico, it was really nice to chat to you. Thank you for attending to Founders of EQ and talk soon. You're welcome. By the way, Founders FAQ is in pre-order and it covers the answers to all the possible questions of a founder in a startup journey. Whether revealing life-saving principles for the startup survival path, building A-plus teams, creating an evolving machine, setting up a need culture, or interpreting the true path for the fundraising. You can pre-order it from foundersfq.com and you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. 